Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another Rugby League Down South podcast. April 2016. A couple of interviews in this program. Uh, we're in League One with London Scholars and Coventry Bears. Scholars, the latest on the New River and their uh, the cup run as well this season. Coventry on their second season in the semi-professional ranks. And also the latest on their City of Rugby project, which was launched last week. And it sounds like there's more details to come in the very near future. We won't ignore the Broncos either. Unbeaten and their new home in the league so far this year. And second in the championship table. This podcast this season running in conjunction with our Rugby League Down South fanzine. I hope you're enjoying both our publications. Uh, If you want to find out the latest on both of them, uh, you can check out or head to the website and it'll direct to the right place. RLDS.UK um, so just rlds.uk is the web address to go to. Uh, we'll start then with the Broncos. Before we get on to uh, Scholars and Commentary, we'll hear very briefly from Andrew Henderson, the head coach. Uh, this sim talking after the win uh, over Batley, the latest of their home victories in the league. As I say, the victory at the weekend up in Cumbria means that they're now uh, second in the championship table. But here's Hendo talking a week ago. After that win over Batley, he's talking to BBC Radio London's Phil Parry. Yeah, that was no mean feat today. You know, Batley, you know, they've been playing some really good football. You know, they've beaten some very good quality teams so far. You know, they've played all the top teams and, and took points off them, uh, and even the full-time teams. So, uh, you know, they deserve to be where they were coming into this this, this round this week. Um, and we knew that, um, you know, the threats that they would pose, and we knew, obviously, the weaknesses where we could exploit them. And I'm just really pleased for the team because, you know, it's probably been a bit of an issue for us in recent weeks where I just feel we, we haven't executed well enough with the ball. We haven't been clinical enough in, in what we've been setting out to do. And uh, we've put ourselves under a lot of pressure and you know it hasn't been for our character within the team and our defensive endeavour and, and will to, to work hard for each other defensively we probably would have come away with a couple of losses there but now it's a credit to the team but I've challenged the boys that we've got to start getting better now we're into round 10 teams are now finding their feet other teams are starting to dry up so they're playing more football asking yeah. more questions and we have to be better we can't afford to keep putting ourselves under pressure and that's what was pleasing for me today because I saw massive improvement uh, in what we did with the ball um, I saw some, some some great rugby league football which is what we want to do we want to entertain the fans we want to play some good good rugby league expansive rugby league and we got to see a bit of that today and we got to see some some quality tries scored and um, some just some good rugby league football and I'm just pleased for the players there um, you know that they actually managed the game well um, they executed the play well, and above all, they made good decisions at the right times and executed the shapes uh, that we were looking to play. So, no, please, please with it all around. Had a, had a mad advantage for the last quarter or so of the game, and yeah. maybe didn't put as, put as many points yeah, on the board as possibly you would have liked at that yeah, point. Yeah, I think so. I think we could have been a little bit more ruthless. I, I do feel that, um, and it's funny, you know, when a team goes loses a man, you know, sometimes, you know, like you said, as a when, you, when you've got the ball, when you've got the extra man, you sometimes try and overplay. I was pretty happy that the boys didn't try and overplay. They didn't fall into that trap, and that's when you start to come up with a lot of errors, and then you kind of invite, they get scrappy. Um, so I was pretty pleased we didn't go down that route, but I still felt we just, we didn't pick it up another gear. I, I really challenged, I wanted the players to pick it up another gear and really try and blow them away and just be ruthless and, and come home strongly. And I just felt we kind of just played the game out. Yeah. Now, we weren't We weren't poor, but we just kind of didn't seem to inject that next level that I wanted to see. And, um, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, I don't want to be too critical of the team today, but mm. you still always want to challenge improvement in them. And um, I think we could have may have finished a bit stronger than, than, than what we did. But like I said, you know, to, to, to get a score on a 30, 32 points to eight, again ended up there, and we still missed about you know, five or six goals as well. Kicking for goals today, it was a bit of a bit of a poor day for our conversion rate, but so it could have been well in the forties for us today. But uh, you know, against the second place team, like you said, it's a, it's a good result. Was that is that a worry? Because I was I, we were yeah. behind the goal at both in both ends. Uh, both halves, and actually the wind was pretty oh, swirly. Yeah, so, so we, you can look at things and say, "Well, actually, missed five kicks when it yeah. comes to conversions." However, 
you couldn't actually predict where the wind was going to turn. No, I know that. And it makes it difficult for kickers because, to be fair, most of the times you're training down here, you don't have those conditions. Yeah, so it's yeah. not like you're training in those conditions every day to get accustomed to it. So, yeah, you know, it is, it's a skill within itself. And that's what I was saying in, in the, the post-match interview, that you know, sometimes you get those days where they go good for the other days, they don't. And, you know, you can't rest your laurels on your goal kicks, you know. Is it going to come and bite you uh, in the backside later in the season? Oh, I'm not even thinking about that. As long as we're playing good football and we're, and we're doing what we need to do, mate, we'll, we'll get the points on the board. Andrew Henderson, the head coach of London Broncos, there with Phil Parry from BBC Radio London. Um, Broncos going well this year, absolutely wonderful to see. Um, I am hoping that at some point uh, later in the year, be able to pop up to the uh, Ealing Trail Finals. Haven't been there yet at all, um, so I will get there later in the season, I'm sure. Um, it's great to see them having such a good season fingers crossed it can continue a couple of injuries in the last couple of weeks from what I saw so uh, uh, yeah fingers crossed that can continue and uh, fans of Broncos uh, can enjoy themselves now on to uh, League One though a couple of clubs we're concentrating on in this month's podcast uh, Coventry and the London Scholars in fact we'll start with Coventry uh, we've been to chat to the Coventry Bears for a while it's taken me um a bit of effort to to track down uh, Alan Robinson, who's the managing director there. He's a busy, busy man. Um, but we did manage to catch up. We tried last month, but he was um, not feeling too great and uh, not sounding too great uh, for, for a po- audio podcast. Um, so we postponed it for this month and uh, delighted to say caught up with him last week. A couple of days after they'd announced a Coventry City of Rugby project uh, tying in with the... Uh, rugby union clubs and the, and the rugby scene in general uh, in the city. Something that they've, uh, from what you'll hear in a minute, um, obviously wanted to do and something which looks like it's going to be of great benefit to them. Uh, more details here then from the uh, managing director of the Coventry Bears. It's Alan Robinson. Alan, well, thanks for talking to us. Um, it does seem like, for me, Coventry Bears have been in the semi-professional ranks for ages, but this is only your second year. How is it? How are you finding it? Yeah, well, um, it has been a bit of a whirlwind of activity, really. I mean, we've, last year, um, we had a really short space of time, really, to get prepared, to get you know to get players on the pitch, really. And you know, obviously... Um, it's a little bit of an unknown last year when you you're exploring things like you know what budget you can spend and what the level is and sort of actually gauging everything really and I think we we, we did pretty well in regards to that I think we got up to speed quite quickly um, this year we, we've tried to have a little bit of continuity with that um, we've uh, we've tried to have more players based in Coventry I think it's the first thing we really focused on. Um, we focused on trying to improve our environment, um, and uh, so we can, you know, players have a, have a chance to to improve. Um, but I think the toughest thing really is the start that we've had this year. We've, we've had a pretty tough start. Um, we've had, you know, Toulouse and, and Rochdale for first two games. Um, but but you know we've we're working really hard uh, on and off the field and. Yeah, you know, we're starting to sort of, I suppose, see definitely see some improvements. Let me just wind you back to sort of before you entered the semi-professional ranks, because it had been rumbling along for quite a while, and you decided not to go for it initially. You know, when people when it when it was said, and then you said, you know, you came back to it the the year later. Has it been what you thought it was going to be? Did you delay it for the right reasons? Was it the right thing to do? I think the the main reason behind delaying it was. Because of the whole change with the obviously the rugby league new era uh, and the new um, alignment of the leagues with promotion and relegation, and um, it was the right time, you know, to give it some more time and make sure that 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 had time to um, come into play, and and then we could actually, um, you know, see see the bigger picture, I suppose. Um, We've been in the NCL for probably, I think it was five years we've played in the NCL and, you know, we've sort of earned a lot of respect in the NCL and, and I thought that that really stood us in a lot of good stead and, you know, we don't we didn't want to just jump in with both feet. You know, we did need a bit of preparation and I think you have to have that preparation. You can't just, it's not just a, a knee-jerk reaction to to become a professional, you know, semi-professional club. Um, you know, we had to get finances in place. We had to get you know, agreements in place with facilities, you know, we had to get staff in place, 
you know, we already were operating almost in a, in a way, in some ways, as in that respect already in the NCL. But you know, everything had to had to be ramped up, and and we didn't want to just go in and be, you know, uh, you know, the whipping boys of the competition. You know, we wanted to come in and and give it a good shot and uh, and be able to um, you know hold our own. And um, do you, is there an easy way for you to describe your sort of model and how you've approached it? Because it does seem like the, the newest clubs that are in League One at the moment, they've all got a different way of going at it. You know, you've got Gloucestershire, Lincoln with the university, um, you know, Hemel doing it their way. What What is the Coventry way? Is there a way to explain sort of what your model is based on? Um, first and foremost, I'd say, you know, we're a business that, we want to wash off. We have to wash our face, so we're a business. So we work within our means. Um, you know, we work very, very hard to get sponsorship, to promote the club, to market the club in every way possible. But it's all done on a budget, and it's all done with what money we can raise and what money we can bring into the club. You know, I'm not a, you know, a, a sugar daddy, shall we say? You know, I'm not a cash-rich person that can put money into the club with massive amounts of investment or or anything like that. So really. We're, I suppose, a, a bottom-up model. Um, we work hard in the community. You know, we're, we're trying to bring in some younger players from the community and from the likes of the Midlands Academy and from the locality of the city. Um, we do need some experience in the squad to be able to compete. Um, so we do have a number of players from overseas that come in um, in, in a few key positions, and those are based in the city. So it's not like, you know, I think we really want to grow... We'll grow, grow in that respect. Um, we have uh, some players that travel um, from the north, we have, uh, but we limit that uh, in, in a way that it doesn't impact on what we're trying to do long term in regards to um, developing players. Um, you know, we have, uh, we have, we've basically, I suppose, the easiest way of describing it, we have, we have two groups, small groups of players that come down. One comes from the northwest, one comes from sort of South Yorkshire area and we have and that also supports us when we have guys in the East Midlands area. Um, we've relocated our training facility to an area of the city that that can support both the East and the West Midlands area. So it's actually not far from the end of the M sixty nine, for example. So it's very well situated for sort of Midlands based players to to access us. Um, and we also have, you know, access to three other facilities across the city for community development. So accessibility is massive. I believe accessibility is huge for players to be able to access the sport, then being able to develop, you know, within the sport. I think is, is a key is a key thing and a key part of what we're we're trying to do. We'll get on to sort of the on the field stuff in a second, but from from your point of view, it's a question I've not really asked any of the, of the newer clubs. What do you find is the most difficult thing being a semi professional rugby league side? You know, you're in areas where you're maybe not, you know, not necessarily known for rugby at this moment in time. Um, you know, rugby league isn't the most prominent sport within the UK. Is it the profile? Is it getting the right players? Is it running the business? Is it the sponsorship? You know, is is there anything in particular that is sort of the most difficult? hurdle to get over I think the hardest part is perhaps we, 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 we're, we've been very good at getting new people to look at it, look at us it's something we kind of pride ourselves in you know we, we have had good crowds we've got people to look at us but it's then I suppose showcasing ourselves in a certain way so people understand where we are in the pecking order um, you know, we, we obviously don't have the same sort of budget as some of the bigger clubs and some of the more established clubs and the, the clubs that have the history behind them. Um, and that, that, I suppose that's a massive challenge. You know, we, we're when someone walks through the gate to watch a game, you know, they expect to see a team representing Coventry that, that can compete. You know, sports fans are demanding in this city. You know, they want to see a winning team. And if you don't, you know, if you don't win, at least they want to see you having a really good crack. And, and putting your body on the line and fighting really hard to get a good result. And I think, you know, we that's the challenge. You know, it's been able to compete against the strong sides on the budget that we have, um, bringing in the players that we can do and being as savvy as possible with our recruitment and what we're trying to do with developing players. Um, and 
that, that that's definitely the biggest challenge really it's it's been able to compete against the more established teams on the budget that we have um, and showcase ourselves in the right way so people will want to come back and uh, I think we've been successful in doing that you know we've um, the biggest challenge for me was to look at what our sort of crowd was last year and look at what we could build on that and we're always coming up with new ideas we're always coming up with ways to introduce fans to the sport and look at rugby league um, and we've got we've got a few really useful tools with that in the the Butts Park arena is that you know cl- very close to the city centre you know we have the work that we're doing in the community through the likes of Sky Try and some of the other um, of our own projects that, that we create um, but yeah, ho- hopefully that'll, that'll sort of answered your question. And with that in mind as well, you mentioned before uh, your your start of the season. Uh, just got your first win though. Tight game again, just uh, Gloucestershire all gold. Um, always good to get on the board, but just just tell me a bit about that game. You won it by a point. Yeah, it was um, it was uh, actually a real turning point for us. You know, although it was a point, it was a very big win for us and. Um, you know, all goals have been going very well. They've recruited very well. Uh, as you said earlier, they, they've they have a different model as such to to us. Um, and you know, they've 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 played very very well in the cup. They've done well in the cup as well. And massive, you know, challenge for us. Uh, you know, they they um, would say you know they want to be uh, pressing again. They want to be getting results against. Uh, the more established teams and they're established side in themselves now so it was a big result for us to get that to get uh, win that game um, we've tried to, to to kick on again from there with a little bit of disruption in, in recent weeks because we've had a week off uh, before we came, came into playing Barrow last week and uh, you know it was tough for us coming into that game uh, we've actually another week off this week so that little bit of those sort of cup Cup weekends haven't helped us as much, I suppose. But you know, we're not going to use that as an excuse. We're going to keep keep putting, uh, trying to put put results on the board. You know. And you mentioned as well before about the um, the, the people of the city. You know, they, they want to see a competitive team. They want to see a, a side competing and winning. Big news, um, Coventry wide this week in that you've launched. Is it the, you know Coventry City of Rugby? It's a city of rugby teaming up with Wasps, and I guess this is a drive from all angles to raise the profile of rugby within the city. Yeah, um, I mean I've been over in Coventry now probably. 17, 18 years I came over here as a student uh, I've been heavily involved in rugby union and rugby league in the city for a very long length of time and it really is steeped in the history of of rugby union um, I suppose what we've done has changed that a little bit And uh, but the demographic of the city is very like a, a rugby league city as well you know I think with Wasps coming to Coventry uh, last year um They've raised the profile again of this, of, uh, of of rugby. Um, they've had huge crowds. Um, you know they've been very open to work with ourselves and a lot of the other sports uh, in the city. Um, we've uh, also been working very closely with you know Coventry Rugby, um, but there's been a real, um, I suppose a real enthusiasm from the city council and from a number of other people um, that I suppose I have to mention. Really, we work quite closely with Coventry Sports Foundation and uh, some of the charities associated with the city. Um, there's uh, their chief exec is Paul Breed, who's a New Zealander who's very passionate about league and union. Um, there's another wealthy benefactor who's uh, Chris Millerchip, who's a former Coventry Rugby Union player who's um, in, you know, uh, putting a lot of money into seeing the growth of rugby within within Coventry. And it was really, I suppose, a, a lot of joined-up thinking went on and the, the City Council um, last year, I think, uh, created a, a Coventry as a, a lead for tennis and they were looking at all the sports and we just basically, everyone got together and We've got two. There's a strategy group um, that I sit on, which um, is uh, very much a sort of overall strategy 
um, in decision making and what, what we're looking at in regards to sort of a sports strategy for, for rugby league and union that includes all the core values of 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 the sport of the sports both rugby league and union share a lot of the same values um, and we we also have a group that um, that the bears now sit on the same table as all the other rugby union and um, rugby union agencies so the RFU Warwickshire RFU uh, Wasps Coventry Rugby uh, and ourselves sit on a development group that looks at what development is going on within the city so we're all working together in the right times of the year pulling in the right direction um, so no one's stepping on each other's toes and everybody benefits in the right way which has been huge obviously for ourselves because uh, you know rugby league doesn't often get that opportunity to be at the same table um, and I think for us, we've seen massive benefits in that, not just um, for our brand and for who we are, but for the opportunities that are starting to open up for us within the local area. Pretty much ever since Wasps moved, I've been meaning to ask you whether you were pleased or disappointed with it. It did seem to me that you were just starting to sort of build your own profile there and all of a sudden a well-established rugby union club decide they're going to come and land in the city as well. I wasn't sure whether that would go down well with you, but, but could it be or is it a good thing for you? It's actually a great thing for us. Um, we've uh, Wasps have been very welcoming to us in regards to promoting our games, uh, to, to, in regards to working together in the community. Um, it's not been a, a. I don't think it's been a any drawback whatsoever. Uh, and if, if anything, it's enhanced. It's allowed us to enhance our brand and to open up our. You know what we're doing to, to other people. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're aware, but I mean, it's it's been pretty amazing, really, the sorts of people and crowds that have been getting along to games, and we've had opportunities to to promote ourselves at those games. We've been working with Wasps community within the fan village. We've been working with our, our mascot has been present at games. We've been promoting our games on their big screen. There's been there's been untold, uh, I suppose, opportunities for us. And we wouldn't have had those opportunities before. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're very positive about it. Um, and, and we've just had the opportunity now to to host one of our games at the Rico. So we're going to be doing that on the 8th of May. So that's, you know, uh, massive for us and a real opportunity to showcase rugby league to, you know, a wider uh, sort of West Midlands audience. Um and Wasps have been instrumental in that. Uh, and uh, Coventry Rugby Union have been very understanding as well. So, you know, I, I can't complain, really. I was going to say, it'd be great for, for your players, for your club, um, for the sport, I guess, to, to play um, at the Rico alongside Wasps. So what, what are you going to get, do you think, from this sort of City of Rugby partnership? How, how is it going to benefit you? Because it does seem like, you know, everyone's fully behind it um, from the council, from all the different sports clubs and um, different organisations. So, uh, you know, I guess, could you be one of the biggest winners of this? I, I really think we can. Um I mean, I can't. Uh, we're we're probably we're about to announce uh, probably the first city of rugby um, project that's going to be launched is going to be one of ours. Um, we've actually um, been able to secure a substantial amount of money from Sport England that's going to be announced next week for a community rugby league project that's going to be set up um, in three hub areas across Coventry. Um, and it will run all the way through for the next year, and that's based in sort of um, that's uh, going to be huge for us in regards to sort of recruitment, to regards to making an impact in the city and the deprived areas, um, and really putting a footprint down for long-term strategy for for our sort of pathway development for you know youth coming through into the Bears um, into the Bears ranks. And we would never have really probably had that opportunity to be able to bid for that amount of money if we haven't had had that support from Coventry City Council um, and and the other you know the other people that are involved in the strategy. 
And I was going to say, from what you're saying then, it sounds like this City of Rugby partnership, the thing that you announced this week, I'm sure you've been working on it for, for you know many, many weeks and months before this, but is this maybe just the start of something potentially quite big? Yeah, I really feel like it is. Um, it works with the strategy that I mentioned earlier, you know, us being able to deliver Rugby League in the city on a massive scale with the support of everyone else in the city is got to be a good thing. And if we can do that and make a real footprint and a real impact in rugby league in, in this city and the wider area, then it allows us to be able to back up, you know, our strategy in regards to bringing players through and having homegrown talent, you know, but on the field playing in League One. Um, that's got to be the goal. You know, we can't survive from bringing shipping players in from here, there, and everywhere. You know, we we want to be we want to have players based in the city. We want to have players having contact with the sport and having contact with coaches, uh, having education opportunities in the city, having working opportunities in the city, being able to, you know, the more we can do that, the, the stronger the club's going to be, you know, and then the better opportunity we're going to have to to be successful on the field and off the field. Um, I think the other thing to mention is as well that sort of excites me is that we're now at the table with all the big hairs in the city in regards to this, to rugby union and rugby you know rugby union and rugby league and sport uh, and it's the bears have the opportunity to showcase themselves to the you know the businesses that are in the city the businesses that are in the that are in the wider west midlands area and again that's only got to be a huge positive um, you know if we can get some more money into the club we, you know, as well, it allows us to do a lot more um, on and off the field, and and strengthen our community department and strengthen our staffing structure and and, and being able to drive things forward. Well, let me just pick up then on that, just for final, two final quick questions um, about the future. You know, when when the RFL talked about expanding the game, introducing these new teams, you know, building the divisions. Some people thought, I'm not sure, I'm not sure these areas are going to sustain rugby league, not sure that, you know, it's the, it's the right thing to do at this time, you know, just promote them into the into the divisions. How are you now set for the next few years? Are you quite comfortable to say, you know, we're going the right way, this is going the right way, we're in League One, we've got our set site, you know, um, our site set f- further ahead and f- higher up than where we are? Yeah, we, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable. We're, you know, we, like I said, it's about a business first and foremost. And, you know, we're working to that model. We're not trying to overextend ourselves in any way. Um, and we're building slowly towards improving every year. Um, we've improved ourselves massively off the field. Um, you know, we now have probably two to three more staff that we had last year. We have uh, younger players coming into the club. We have you know, more sponsorship opportunities coming into the club. We have more business opportunities arising. We have more community development going on. And we, we judge ourselves on, and we're hard on ourselves in regards to that. And no matter what people think from the outside, we've got to keep our eye on the ball in regards to that. And, you know, I'm very confident that if we stick to what we're doing, you know, we will progress and we will be able to sustain it. Um, and we want to be successful. We want to strive forward. I'm not getting my head in the clouds. I'm not saying we're going to be, you know, um, you know, getting promoted in the next two, two couple of years for the next, you know, two years on the run or anything like that. You know, we want to be able to establish ourselves in League One and and put real solid foundations down in the community. And that's not something that can happen overnight. And uh, you know, we're focused on that first and foremost. Um, you know, it's as simple as that, really. I was going to say you pretty much covered over my my final question there about sort of how you see yourselves and and, and you know how you, how you build for that future. And I guess for you, maybe it's the footprint that other other clubs are striving for, that other clubs are aiming for as well. You, I guess you need to be sustainable. You need to be self fulfilling. You need to have that local talent. You need to have it on the field and off the field. So your talent within the within the club and, and creating those employment opportunities, as you say. And I guess it, it is that what you're working on at the moment. Get your footprint. Put yourself down. Get stable, and then look further ahead. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, you know, we want to be able to. Oh, we want our players to grow with us as well. You know, we don't want to be 
players coming and going. You know, we want to. We're trying to build that that sort of stability so we can have continuity on the field and we can grow with it. You know, that that is the hardest part. You know, um, been able to find and develop young players. But the balance is being able to bring in players that can support what you're doing, but not over overrun what you're doing, and put put yourself in position, in a bad position, say financially, or a risky position, say financially. So you know that's you know our feet are on the grind, but you know we want we want to we want to do as well as we can, but we can um, we can't put ourselves under you know in a risky position. So you know other clubs might have different views on that you know I've got a very strong view on that I think in regards to where we are and we just you know we can't take risks um, we have to we have to do it the right way um, and then everything else that we have in our control I think we work doubly hard to 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 do you know so all the marketing side of it the promotional side of the club and you know how we can bring in income we work I think we work very very hard to do and hopefully that will We'll reap the rewards from that in the coming years, and um, and we'll we'll take ourselves forward in the right way. Alan Robinson of the uh, Coventry Bears. It's been a long time uh, since I've chatted to him, and um, particularly in such great detail as well. And um, off the air, we talked about various other things. It does seem like actually um, there's quite a lot in the pipeline. Um, I get the impression at, uh, at Coventry, one to keep your eye on over the next weeks and months. Um, not exactly sure of the the specific detail, but. Um, stuff is in the pipeline. <laughs> that's that's pretty much um, all I know. Um, I'm going to see that a club new into the, um, the 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 rugby league, the professional rugby league divisions. I guess not certainly not new to the game in any way. Um, but trying to bed down, going about it in a serious way. Uh, not again saying that anybody else isn't, but they're looking at opportunities. They're they're trying to do things. They're trying to make sure that they can. Uh, make themselves more sustainable. So great to chat with uh, Alan. Uh, good luck to Coventry for the rest of the season. It's like with every club, isn't it? You sort of want them to, to really succeed on the on on the field because that's really when people who maybe don't hear interviews like this uh, and don't don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes, they look at results, don't they, and go, oh, I'm not sure it's working at Coventry or oh, I'm not sure it's working in London, not sure it's working. It, they don't get the full picture. And... Um, I think when you when you hear what is what the full picture is and you hear what's going on, um, you appreciate all the hard work. And so, yeah, hopefully they can get a few more wins uh, in the bag uh, this season. Um, and like with every rugby league down south team, um, give the area a good show uh, and a good standing uh, by the end of the year. And I'm sure we'll catch up with uh, Alan or maybe Tom, the head coach, or someone else uh, from the club in a couple of months here on uh, Rugby League Down South. Now, though, um, we talked to Jermaine Coleman of the London Scholars, um, a club that have been sort of in this area of the competition uh, for many years now. Uh, Jermaine, who's been at the club again for a couple of times, knows a Rugby League Down South patch very well, knows a couple of clubs in particular very well. Uh, now at the helm at London Scholars, uh, having taken over from Joe Mabu. And was that just last year as well? Wow, time seems to fly. But equally, it seems like it was so long ago. Um, but uh, I've been catching up with Jermaine about scholars on and off the field as ever. Um, and this is really the first time I've spoken to him since I spoke to him, what, just about a week or two having taken over. Uh, so lots to catch up on. Jermaine, I was just saying that um, I've not spoken to you until, well, since it was about a week after you got appointed um, as a scholar head coach, which... Was that just, was that like 18 months ago or so? Uh, about, probably about 12 months ago, actually. I think it was just, a, it was a two weeks before the start of last season. So I think, um, yeah, it was about this time, March last season, I think the first game was. So, you know, probably, yeah, 12, 13 months ago. So not too far off. I mean this in, in, the, um, in, a, in, a, in a nice way, but um, it seems like it was quite a while ago. It equally seems like it was only a few a, a, a few minutes ago. How how do you feel? You know, it's been a year. Um, you've obviously come back to a role that you've done before. You know, you've been out doing other stuff. How are you? How do you feel a year into it then? Um, yeah, I suppose like like you said, really. I suppose it's one of those where you sit back and you feel like I've been doing this forever now. But then after you look and it, and it and it's not too long. I think I think myself as a coach and and I think both Matt Cuss and Matt Lambert and and the club. I think we've all. You know, I've been through a real big transition period, really, and, and I think we're all 
coming out the other end now and, and, and feeling quite positive about our futures and, and where we're going and what we're doing. And I think that only bodes well for, for us as clubs and us as individuals and, you know, hopefully rugby league in the South. I know there's um, there's been a change of sort of general manager and things behind the scenes um, on that side, like the business side of things at Scholars in the last year. Does it help that you know that you and Matt and those names that the people that I've spoken to and known for the last few years still there, still doing their thing? I guess wherever you look in rugby league in the south, continuity helps. Yeah, massively so, massively so. It's, it's certainly something that we've, we've spoken about this year in, in terms of talking to the press as well. I mean, you know, just just the other week against Hemel, there was four four players on the pitch that had played 100 games for Scholars. So having that experience and, and having that sort of knowledge of, of the club and, and what it takes to kind of play that many games at this level and, and, you know, commit at this level makes a huge difference. And the fact that, you know, myself and Matty now have worked together for sort of three, four years, you know, it, as you said, it gives us that continuity. We both sort of rub off each other. I know his strengths and weaknesses and, and vice versa. And, you know, it really, it really makes an impact on, on what we're doing as, as coaches and, and what we're doing as a club, really. So how would you uh, reflect on the opening exchanges of the League One campaign so far? And I suppose your cup run as well, we should say. Yeah, I, th- I think we've made, a, you know, we've made a really positive start to the season. I say this with the utmost respect for, for everyone that we've played I, I, I don't feel we've played particularly well yet um, I think what we've learned over the last sort of year with the group that we've had and, and what we've managed to, to instil in them is that is that real self-belief that actually you know them close games we can come out the other side and those games where we don't play particularly well you know we're capable of coming out the other side and I, th- I think Dos- Doncaster you know, is a real prime example of, of where we are as a team and where we are as, as a group of people I think you know, it's often associated that the northern teams can probably be off their game a little bit and the southern teams have to go up there and be on the game 100% and the northern teams will probably still come out the other side and, and get the victory, but the southern teams are happy with that. I think, you know, we're, we're in a real good position now where actually we can go up to the northern teams and not particularly play to our straps and, you know, deal with some adversity. We lost we lost our fullback after 20 minutes. We lost myself at half-back after 30 minutes. We lost our other half-back after 65 minutes. So, you know, we were down on troops and people playing in lots of different positions. We had, you know, three middlemen, three men in the forwards play 80 minutes. We had another forward play 65 minutes. But, but you know, but we managed to dig, our, dig ourselves in and come out the other side with a result. And I think that's credit to the boys and the effort and, you know, the desire that they showed throughout pre-season um, and you know they're really reaping the reward of that at the moment and what is the what is the current um, sort of feeling and thinking at Scholars because you know I talked to the other rugby league down south clubs in League One they're new you know they've only been doing this at this level for a couple of years okay they've been doing rugby league for a number of years um, but you know Scholars have been at this level for a while now you've obviously been away to Hemel you're back at Scholars now does it feel different? Is it different? Or really, does it shout credit for the other League One sides to say that actually at Scholars, the job that is is happening and the things that are going on there aren't significantly different to what's happening elsewhere? Um, no, I think I think it's a difficult situation. I think it's one of those where uh, unless you're down in the south and you're part of the rugby league sort of community down here, I don't think you really understand how difficult it is and, and how much possibly more effort it is down here to play at this level to what it is if you're if you're up north. I think um, you know, the club the club scholars as a club has, as you said, been around for a while. Um, I, I think the league has changed so much that really, if I'm being honest, I think I think all the southern clubs, I think all the clubs in the league are in a new competition now. I don't I think it's probably unfair to kind of go, you know, you've got ten years experience or the northern teams have got fifteen years experience. I, I, I think it's it's a new competition and um, I think everyone has kind of come in it at the same level, really, I think you know there's not too much difference going on at Hemel to what there is at Scholars. I think the, the biggest difference is probably that just that infrastructure that that them northern teams have, and and possibly what Scholars have now, you know, in the community and the the amount of coaching and children that they've got coming through and playing in their junior teams. That's obviously a little bit more developed than maybe what it is at Oxford or maybe what it is at Hemel, and and you know maybe we have a little bit more. Uh, What's the word? Sponsorship coming in to, to help us. Um, so I don't, I don't think there's there's massive difference. Um, I, ju- I just think, as you said, maybe scholars have just been here a little bit more and a little bit longer in the tooth. Um, but I think everyone is doing pretty much the same job down here and he's, and he's trying to work extremely hard to make sure that rugby league in the south is is a good product and and 
you know it's worthwhile it's it's position in the league here's a here's a very general question which i haven't primed you about but um <laughs> do, do you often stand in your office or on the sidelines or um you know you're sitting on the coach on, on the waiting away game or, or wherever it is and think do you know what if only we had that is, is there a is there a something that crops up and you think this is what rugby league in the south needs or this is what scholars need or something that you think if we had that you know it would just give us a little bit of an edge um yeah i think i think that's often there's often lots of things you know one, one week it'll be one thing the other week it'll be another thing obviously you know at the club at present where we're struggling at the moment with the clubhouse and and getting that organized and we've been waiting for you know close to 18 months for the company that are running new river now to get that sorted so you know i suppose often we'll look and go well, actually if we had a clubhouse and we had a, a gym there that would make you know one percent difference you know, on the same note, if we didn't have to travel four hours on a five hours on a coach every other week, you know, maybe that would make a difference. If players didn't have to travel an hour and a half, two hours to training, when actually they only live twelve miles, fifteen miles away, you know, that would make a difference. So I think, I think, you know, as I said, that the main thing for us is the, the commitment that the players show. I think there's a lot more commitment from from the boys in the south just due to the travel and and the difficulties in getting to training than what it is up north. So I think, you know, again being up there myself it's you can live sort of 15 20 30 miles away from a club and and still really be there in half an hour down here if you if you live 30 miles away you know it's going to take you two hours so there's definitely a bigger commitment i think in terms of time that players putting down here so i think the answer to answer your question i suppose if, if if we could just get that issue a little bit easier if players didn't have to give up so much time maybe they'd be a little bit more fresher and if we didn't have to travel as far then then maybe we'll be a little bit fresher on games but I suppose again it's something that we've learned to deal with so I don't think there's a magic formula I think it's it's hard work um, from us as, as a team and and you know really the, the biggest thing I suppose then maybe is the support and the, the sponsorship from, from the community to my shame and my disappointment, I haven't been to the New River for a while. I haven't seen your 4G pitch or the new generation pitch, or however you describe it. Um, how, I mean, um, because I haven't been there and I haven't seen, who are your stars? Who are your key people that you've got this year? You know, where, when people come to the New River, you know, who, who are they looking at? Um, I think I think we've got, you know, a real, a real spread, really, to be honest with you, Ram. I think... It was a real focus this year to, to get a team of players that were based in London and that were from London. Um, I think, you know, last year we had probably six or seven blokes travelling down from the north and getting down here once a, once a week, maybe. You know, this week we've got a, a squad that's all based in London and has trained all the way through pre-season together. Um, I think the standouts for me so far this season, if I'm, if I'm being honest, Erge, Erjan Delapi's played really well. Um you know, Will Lovell's been very consistent and regularly plays 80 minutes and, you know, has a little bit of versatility on that edge. You can either drop into a centre or a back row. Um, I think one of, one of probably the, the players that makes me proudest is, is Aaron Small. Um, I've known Aaron since he was sort of 15, 16 in a rugby aspect and I met him originally as, as his teacher as he was a 12-year-old kid at St Thomas More. So to see him playing out regularly at this level and and really taking on a leadership role within the group as as probably being our, our best defender and you know I'd probably go as far as him maybe our, our most consistent player this season and, and possibly for the last sort of you know seven or eight months in terms of the season um, I think I think he's one that really stands out I think I think we're missing Billy Driver I think when he comes back that he you know he really makes fans excited and, he, and he's very quick and very sharp and and things will be interesting and um, you know we've got an interesting partnership at halfback now with Jamel coming back to play with Mike Bichet I think you know they will cause him some real problems so I think you know we, we, we've got some real threats across the pitch um, which is nice it's not necessarily something that we've had we've maybe had one or two players in the past that were you know teams may be worried about now we've got you know five six seven players that teams have to look out for so it makes us a bigger threat on the pitch which is probably reflected in the fact that we've scored more points this season um, you know so I, I, I don't think one individual is there to look out for. I think it's more about five or six now, which is nice. It's interesting what you say as well with those names because those are names that people I know, people I've met over the last few years, um, people whose names have been mentioned to me, and I guess the listeners will, will think the same thing as well. And interesting that you say, you know, trying to build that core of uh, of London talent or, or going more towards that this year. Other clubs say the same thing. I suppose it makes the industry 
a bit more competitive. You must find you, you, yourselves uh, fighting over players uh, with other clubs. But I guess it is important that those players who maybe haven't made the grade at a higher level, um, you know, you've been able to attract them to your club to play rugby league, to play in London. And I suppose at its bottom level, that's what the game has to do. You can't lose those people. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I mean, we missed out on a couple of players this year. One of them ended up going to Oxford. Um, another lad, you know, dropped out of rugby completely. Both had been in that full-time environment. And, you know, as you said, it, it was important that we recruited them and they, and they came and, and continued, you know, their development. And, you know, it hadn't worked out at Broncos for, 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 for whatever reason that was. And, you know, hopefully we're giving them opportunity to... to to be part of something successful here and you know as you said we're fighting all for the same players and you, you can probably see that in the you know the couple of years I was at Hemel I think we had just short of 14 players come across from Scholars to Hemel and you know this season alone I think we've had four or five players come back to Scholars from Hemel um, so you know we are all fighting for the same players Um you know we didn't we didn't I think maybe in, in time and by Scholars have maybe paid a little bit more than what the other clubs could do, but we, you know, we made a real conscious effort this year to to put everything in line with the Oxfords and with Emil and make sure that we're all, you know, we're not overpricing ourselves and we're not paying more for the player that you know a Hemel would have paid for or Oxford would have played for. We wanted it to be very much players were coming to us because they wanted to be part of of what me and the Mats were creating and not coming because they were chasing after a little bit of extra money. Um, and I, and I think we've managed to do that. I think I think everyone that's there has really bought into what the three of us want to do, and you know, has really bought into the ethos that we're trying to bring into the club and, and the togetherness that we're trying to bring. And you know, we look at last last week we had no fixture, and you know, we trained on a Tuesday, and there's 27 blokes there training, and, and we go out for a team meal, and on the Thursday we go into into Farringdon, into to gym box, and, and and do a session there, and we've got another 26 blokes, and then on the Saturday the second team play, and there's you know there's 18 blokes watching, and there's seven blokes playing, so there's a real sort of togetherness about the group now, which is something that you know is, is massively important when you're playing a team sport. If you haven't got that bond and that that friendship, it, you know, it makes it really difficult to want to work for that next person. And I think that's something we've really focused on developing. And, and, and you know, it's, again, it's you know, it's proven dividends at present. And let me just ask you then, finally, is the one thing that you've got on your list as sort of your your aim for this year for scholars or for you or for the club? Is there, I mean, we've just been talking to um, Coventry on the program, and they've got some money from Sport England, which they're putting into you know various city of rugby, as they're calling it, um, schemes, which are going to be announced over the next couple of weeks. You know, they're, they're having a real drive, I guess, to sort of stake that name in the city to try and get a few more people into playing rugby generally, rugby union, rugby league. Is there anything this year, anything you're looking at going, do you know what, this year is going to be, that's what we're going to concentrate on? Um, I think it's, there's, there's a real focus really. Um, there's a real focus on, on the first team and, and making sure that you know we're successful and ultimately if we, we want people to come to, to watch the games and we want people to, to play the sport then you know you need to have a successful team you need to have a team that people want to aspire to be part of and, and they want to come and watch and they want to you know enjy that and, and then the second thing that the real focus on this year is, is our academy team that we're looking to set up and you know Matt Cuss and Paul Quill are doing some really excellent work there about getting them under 17s that play for our team coming up into play for our academy team and then getting our first team squad players that are not selected on a weekend to drop back down and, and having that real pathway that system that you know, unfortunately, we've probably lost five or six players over to London, and they and they go and play for Broncos in their academy, and that's fantastic. And you know, the development is that they might go there and then end up coming back to us. But what we'd like to have is is, is an academy of our own that that players want to be strive to be a part of. And when they're playing in our 13s, 14s, 16s, 17s, they then come on to our 19s, and actually we're producing our own. And you know, ultimately, as you said, you know, we're all fighting for the same player. So if we can start to produce, you know, two players a season from our under 19s that then come and join the first team next year then that's the only way we're going to develop as a club you know we can't always rely on on, on Broncos players who don't make it to, to come back to us or you know trying to take players from Oxford or Hemel and, and or trying to bring people down from the north or overseas we need to be producing our own so there's a real focus this year and, and, and Matt does tremendous work in the community we're getting the you know all the all the kids coming and playing and we do you know lots of sort of events over the holidays where I'm there as co- as a coach and Matt's there and you know we get some of the senior players in to come and do some sessions and, and really try to develop as you said develop that 
that brand within the community, similar to what Oxford are doing it. And, you know, we really want to have, have, have a real strong brand in North London that London Scholars is, you know, is a real hub of sport for, for young children and for, for students to come down and participate. And just seen as well that you've had a couple of games or you've moved the kickoff times from sort of evenings to afternoons. Was that was that forced? Was that chosen? Was that something you decided? Um, it was maybe forced upon us a little bit. It was, it was more to do with, with the availability of the pitch and, and, and the, you know, the, the ground being hired out at different times for different things. So a little bit forced upon us in terms of changing the dates, the times. Um, but, you know, it, the Saturday fixtures for us as a club was something we really wanted to do. We wanted to to give people that opportunity that were playing for us to come down here, play train through the week, play on a Saturday and actually still got a weekend. Um, you know, I think it was really valuable for us as a club to realise that these players are semi-professional and they do work full-time and actually when you're playing on a Sunday, you're losing your weekend and, you know, he then got to go back to work on the Monday morning. So it was a real conscious effort of, of the coaches to, to speak to the board and, and, you know, the board agreed with us that Saturday fixtures were the way forward because it gave our players an opportunity to still have a weekend and, and still have time for their families and still have time to, you know, go and enjoy their social life and relax before having to go back to work. Um, so the three o'clock kickoffs are... are more determined by what what's available on the pitch but the Saturdays is certainly a conscious effort for us as a club to get to and once again there we are another Rugby League Down South podcast Jermaine Coleman that of the London Scholars the uh, head coach of the Scholars for this year great to catch up with him um, do you know why every time I talk to Jermaine my mind flicks back to the televised Challenge Cup game that Scholars had um, where Jermaine was in, in temporary charge well, I, I can't remember who they played it off the top of my head. I should have researched this before I started talking about it, but they were ever so close to uh, to victory from what I remember. Um, absolutely fantastic game. Great that it was on Sky, and I think it sort of it shone Scholars and Jermaine in a, in a great light that night, which was absolutely wonderful to see. They just couldn't quite um, do the business uh, in the end. But no, great to catch up with Jermaine. Um, a big supporter of Rugby League Down South, the podcast, um, and of course of the general Rugby League in the south um, from Jermaine uh, we'll be back in what are we now April, May so we're back in May with the next podcast we are now mid-April aren't we uh, sort of beyond that so it shouldn't be too long uh, I'll bring you another Rugby Down South podcast and if you haven't yet seen or read or got your hands on the latest uh, fanzine that we're making this year uh, George Clark the man behind that doing an absolutely sterling job um, the website to check out rlds.uk uh, head there rlds.uk um, you can get the details of the fanzine, you can order them, and um, if you send us an email as well, um, the email address rlds underscore at hotmail.com. If you've got any questions or you want to trace back copies and stuff, uh, send it through to uh, rlds underscore at hotmail.com. Uh, thank you very much once again for listening. Um, any support to the podcast would be great. Figures are not that um, not as, as big as they have been in the last few years. That's probably my... Um, fault for not doing them as regularly and numbers have slowly dropped off but thank you once again for those who are still listening and um, yeah if you can spread the word let your friends know or let anyone else know who you might think will be interested be very much appreciated and I'll be back in May with the next edition of Rugby League Down South thank you very much for listening When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year 100,000 mile limited warranty you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.